We're continuing in our study today through Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We're in chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. Would you follow along with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we have just sung and prayed, speak, O Lord. Speak to us through your word. Let us hear your voice, Lord Jesus, shepherding our souls. Change us, transform us. Make us more like yourself, Lord Jesus. Transform us by the power of your word and the spirit working through your word that we would be more like Christ. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who has a veil over their hearts, I pray that by the power of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit that you would remove that veil today, that they would see Christ in all of his glory and believe and find forgiveness and eternal life. God, would you do that for your glory and our eternal good? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Growing up in the 80s, I can remember every time the Road and Track magazine would come out, I couldn't wait to see it and look through what were the the fastest cars that were coming out on the market. There were always comparisons and I was always looking. The first thing I did was look at zero to 60. What would they do in zero to 60? And back then it was 
five seconds, maybe if they were really, really fast in the fours, but nothing is as fast as the cars today. Just a few years ago, actually it was nine years ago, on my 45th birthday, Sharla gave me a gift that I'll never forget. I got to go over to Hutchison Island and there there was a racetrack set up and you could choose which car you wanted to drive. And never in my life have I gotten to choose between a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, but that day. And I'll tell you this, it was absolutely awesome. I'll never be able to own one, but to drive it that day was amazing. And so for the price of, actually Charlotte got it at a really great coupon that she found online. But you got to go around the racetrack with a professional driver and he showed you what to do. And then you got three times around the track driving. And he showed you how to accelerate and he showed you how to brake before the turn and accelerate out of the turn. And it was absolutely exhilarating. And the car that I got to drive did zero to 60 in 3.8 seconds. It was a Ferrari, and I don't think I got up over 60 because you couldn't in between the curves, but the kind of acceleration was amazing. And I thought I had just reached the mountaintop until Henry told me about the Tesla Roadster. Zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Top speed of 250 miles an hour, and with the three electric motors, it is continuous acceleration from zero to 250. It's like a rocket, and I can't even imagine what that is like. And so I tell you this because the comparison is that the Ferrari had a level of glory as a fast car that I couldn't even comprehend. It was amazing. But with the Tesla Roadster, the speed of that car made the Ferrari look like a turtle. It made it look as if it had no glory at all. And that's exactly what Paul is doing in this passage right here. In comparing the new covenant with the old covenant, he talks about the glory of the old covenant and how it was fading away and the new covenant makes the old covenant look like it had no glory at all. Paul says this, now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory." 
Now, Paul is referring back to Exodus chapter 32 to 34, and remember when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, he goes up on the mountain, and the Lord writes on the tablets of stone with the very finger of God, the law of God, the commandments of God. And really this was grace to the people. That God was revealing, this is how you walk before me. Now, there was a purpose in the law. In fact, this purpose was to show them their need for Christ. And that was always the purpose of the law, was to show them their own insufficiency so that they would look to the one who would come and fulfill the law perfectly, the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, and look to him for salvation. Notice how Paul refers to the Old Covenant. In verse 7, he calls it the ministry of death. In verse 9, he calls it the ministry of condemnation. In verses 7 and 11, he tells us that it is temporary. It was being brought to an end. You see, the Old Covenant law had a ministry, and it was a beautiful ministry. It revealed sin. It showed separation from God. It was a ministry of condemnation. But it was temporary because there was one coming that the Lord had promised who would bring a new covenant. And that covenant, he describes in verse 8, was the ministry of the Spirit. We saw those passages last week, Ezekiel chapter 36, Jeremiah chapter 31. The ministry of the Spirit, that God would take out a heart of stone, He would put in a heart of flesh, and He would indwell every believer with the Holy Spirit and cause them to walk in His ways. Radically different. He calls it the ministry of the Spirit in verse 8, and the ministry of righteousness in verse 9. See, before they could not keep the law. No one could ever keep the law. But one has come, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has kept the law perfectly at every point. And now in the new covenant, this ministry of righteousness, we stand in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're accepted based upon the righteousness of Christ, not our own. And this ministry is permanent. In verse 11, Paul tells us that the new covenant is a permanent ministry. It's an eternal covenant. And all who put their trust in Christ know the Lord. They have their sins forgiven, and they have eternal life with Him in heaven. Well, Paul makes this comparison in verses 7 to 11 as a typical rabbinical study on the lesser to the greater. The lesser was the old covenant. The greater was the new covenant. The lesser had glory, but the new covenant has even more glory. But he's not just talking about the covenant, 
He's talking about the ministry of the covenant. And so in 7 to 11, he compares the two, but in verses 12 to 18, he shows the implication, the reality for ministry and how Paul is ministering the new covenant today, in that day and today through the Word. Paul says in verse 12, since, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So the first thing I want us to see is this in verses 12 to 15. Because the glory of the new covenant far surpasses the undeniable glory of the old, number one, be bold. Be bold. Now, the word that is used here means confident, be open. It speaks of openness. We see this same word that the writer to the Hebrews uses in chapter 4, verse 16, and throughout the book, where he says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is speaking of a confidence in the access that we have through the finished work of Jesus Christ, crucified and raised from the dead. And the writer to the Hebrews uses that word to speak of confidence and boldness that way, as far as our access before God based upon the finished work of Christ. But Paul uses it in a different way, not speaking of access, but speaking of ministry. Be bold in speaking, have confidence to speak based upon the greater glory of the new covenant that Christ brings, be bold in your ministry, speak openly. And he's saying that's what he's doing. That's what he and his ministry associates are doing. They're speaking boldly and openly. Verse 12, Paul says, since we have such a hope, the hope of the new covenant, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Remember back in Exodus 32 to 34, remember Moses goes up on the mountain and he receives the Ten Commandments and he comes down and before he gets back down, the people of Israel had already turned to false gods. In fact, they said, Aaron, make us gods. Where is that man Moses? Where is he? And so they gave all of their jewelry to Aaron, and he crafted a golden calf, and he said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt. Already they had turned to false worship and false gods. Moses comes down the mountain, and they hear the revelry among the people. And God is displeased, of course, and He promises to bring judgment upon the people, and Moses intercedes for the people. And Moses says, Lord, if you 
are not with us, if you will not go with us, how will the people know that we are your distinct people? In fact, they'll mock you. They will speak ill of you. Please don't wipe out your people. And Moses intercedes, and God invites him to come back up, and he writes on new tablets, and Moses brings them back down to the people. And there was a tent of meeting outside the camp where Moses would meet with God. And every time Moses went into the tent of meeting, the people stood and they watched. And Moses' face was shining every time he went into the presence of God, and his face continued to shine with glory. In fact, he had to veil it for the people. Every time he went into the tent of meeting, he lifted the veil in the presence of God. Every time he came out, he would put the veil back over so the people couldn't see his shining face. Now, Paul says this, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses. Now, we think of Moses and the incredible ministry of Moses, and yet Paul is saying, we have a boldness through the new covenant ministry that is very different than Moses. In fact, we have access to God 24-7 through the person and work of Jesus Christ. We have a boldness that we can minister out of that and tell people that they can have access to God as well. There is no veil in our ministry. We are unveiled in our ministry to tell people about the glory of God and how they can experience the presence of God through Jesus Christ. Paul says, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. God had called them a stiff-necked people, a people under the judgment of God. And he says in verse 14, but their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. The veil remains if they continue to go through the Old Covenant, if they try to access God through the law. And it is only lifted through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, yes, in verse 15, to this day, whenever Moses is is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Adana, where are you? You're around here somewhere. What you described in your conversion was the veil being lifted. It had been veiled, you had a head knowledge, you thought you knew the Lord, but when the Lord lifted the veil, you beheld the glory of Christ, crucified and raised from the dead. Radically different, complete access 24-7 
to the God who made you and loved you and sent his son to die on a cross and to be raised from the dead to reconcile you to God. It is through Christ that the veil is taken away. So Paul says, be bold. It's not like Moses. It's different. It's a better ministry than Moses. Be bold in your ministry, meaning be bold in your evangelism. Have confidence in your evangelism, that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, and that's how God brings people forth from the dead, is through the gospel. So be confident. Tell people. People are not going to be saved by just observing your life. That's part of a witness. It shows the authenticity and the power of the gospel, but that's not how people are saved. People are saved through the proclamation of the word. Tell them the good news of Jesus. That's how people are saved. So be bold in your evangelism. Be bold in your discipleship. This is how God works. It's through the Word. It, life change comes by the Spirit through the ministry of the Word. There will be no effective discipleship apart from the ministry of the Word in your life. Whether it be you personally reading and growing and abiding in Christ, abiding in His Word, sitting under the preaching of the Word, gathering together in small groups to study the Word together, discipleship must be based upon the means of grace through the Word. Be bold in your counseling. Know that God changes people's lives by the power of the Word. Be bold in your preaching. Be bold in your teaching, in your cross-cultural missions, and in your serving in the local church and in the community. Be bold. Be confident because of the access that you have through Christ and through the effective ministry of the Spirit that comes through the new covenant. The second thing I want us to see is this implication and therefore an imperative to us. Number two, be free. Look at verses 16 to 17. Paul says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the, sp now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Be free. In other words, be assured in your faith. Be secure in your salvation. Be confident in your position before God based upon the new covenant ministry of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Do you see the comparison? It's old covenant, new covenant in the same way. Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. He says, 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He talks about our inheritance. We're co-heirs with Christ, and so we can have boldness and we can have confidence. We have freedom in Christ. And that's what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul says the same thing in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let me ask you this. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you live in your freedom in Christ? In other words, do you know that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ? Do do you know that your identity is in Christ and you are not under the law of slavery any longer, that you are under the law of grace, that you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you have access to God, you're in the, the new covenant ministry, and you have freedom in Christ, so many times we live like we're still under condemnation. We live like we are still guilty. We live like we have not been justified by faith in Christ, that we, we don't have a right standing with God, and it's like we're denying the reality of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, and Paul is saying, be free. Be assured in your faith. Be secure in your salvation. Be confident in your position before God. But thirdly, notice this. Here's the imperative. Be transformed. Look at verse 18 in our 2 Corinthians text. And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now you might say, wait a minute, be transformed? Isn't it the Holy Spirit that transforms us from one degree of glory into another? Absolutely. And He does it through means. He does it through our cooperation with Him in in the same way Paul says in Philippians, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Paul says, and we all, speaking of Himself and all who claim the name of Christ, the, the church of Corinth, His ministry partners, and we all with unveiled face. Not like Moses, who had a veiled face. We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Now this is like when Moses went into the tent of meeting, removing the veil, and beheld the glory of the Lord. This is our reality all the time. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image 
from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So again, is it the Spirit who is transforming us from one degree of glory to another? So how can you have an imperative to be transformed? I'll say this way. We're transformed, we're being transformed as we behold the glory of the Lord. So my encouragement would be, are you beholding the glory of the Lord? Are you abiding in Christ? Are you coming into His presence with thanksgiving? Are you getting into His Word, listening to His voice, and beholding the glory of the Lord? Because that is when and that is where we will be transformed more and more from one degree of glory to another. God works through means, and He works through the means of grace that He has given his word, his church. We're going to behold the glory of the Lord as we gather together in worship, as we experience his manifest presence in the midst of his people. Are you beholding the glory of the Lord? Or are you hiding? Are you hiding in shame? Are you hiding without a lack of confidence? And Paul is saying, be bold. Be bold in your access, be bold in your ministry, be free, be confident in who you are in Christ, and be transformed by the Spirit by beholding the glory of the Lord. Thinking back to those race cars, that comparison One was amazing, and the Old Covenant was absolutely amazing. In fact, God revealed Himself. He revealed His law, and that was an act of grace to His people. None of the other nations had been revealed that God had revealed Himself to in that way. They were cutting themselves. They were trying to worship their gods. And they didn't know how, and yet the God of Israel revealed Himself and said, this is how you walk before me. And that was a gift of God's grace. But the law could never save. It could never bring about righteousness and right standing before God. It could only condemn. It could only show them their need for a Savior, which pointed to a new covenant, a greater covenant. One that would make even the old covenant look as if it had no glory at all. And that is the ministry of the new covenant brought through Jesus Christ. Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures, and He was raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures so that sinners like us could be reconciled to God. And the veil is lifted when we turn to the Lord. Do you have a veil over your heart today? Is there a separation between you and God because of your sins? Or have you put your trust in Jesus as the only mediator between God and man, the only one who could reconcile us to God?
the new covenant ministry is glorious. It has a greater glory and it is permanent in value. It brings eternal life. Do you have eternal life through Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and your gift. We thank you for the law. We thank you for the purpose of the law as a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ, to show us our sins, to show us our need for a redeemer. We thank you most of all for Jesus Christ, the one who came and lived perfectly under the law and died and was raised again to save us from our sins and the wrath that was coming upon our sins. Lord, I pray that we would live in boldness and minister in boldness and that we would live out of a a confidence and a freedom in our identity in Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would truly be transformed into the image of Christ by your spirit working through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.